This is the Marty Ray Project Chats, and I'm Marty Ray, one of the hosts of this podcast. You might know me from a beard video, a prank call, a rap song turned acoustic cover, or hopefully one of my original albums. And I'm Chris Wallen. You might know me from... Where would they know me from again? You might know Chris from number one hit songs like Don't Blink by Kenny Chesney and Something to Be Proud of by Montgomery Gentry. Whether you know either one of us or not, I bet you're going to have fun here. Welcome to the project. Download, subscribe, and rate, whether you love it or not. Sound supplied by Roadcaster Pro. He's the greatest referee in UFC history. Maybe even in the history of fighting as a whole when it's all said and done. And no one will change my mind about that. Not even him. Referee of the year six times at the World MMA Awards. He was also a professional fighter, briefly. And I'm sure he still trains. Welcome to the show, Herb Dean. How you doing, brother? Oh, man, I'm doing great after that intro. Man. Yeah, I feel, I feel great. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. I had a rough weekend, but, yeah, everything's good now. Yeah, you, yeah we're going to get into that because I think I know what you're talking about. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe I do. But anyway, we start every yeah, show with a fast yeah. five. We ask five quick questions, and we ask for five quick answers. Are you ready? All right. All right, here we go. Favorite weight class in the UFC? Mm, light heavyweight. Uh, nice. Favorite movie? Favorite movie. Ooh. Star Wars. Okay, good good choice. Favorite candy? If you eat candy. Jolly Rancher. Okay. Favorite arena that you've refereed in? Osaka Dome. I was thinking you was going to say Abu Dhabi, the fight island, but it's not really <laughs> an arena. Uh, favorite music genre? Mm, that's a hard one. Reggae. That's a good one, though. That's a good yeah. one. Our soul, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I like music. What you, you So you like all kinds of music? I like all kinds of music, yeah. What about um, death metal? Are you a death metal guy? I mean, I, I, I mean, I can listen to it every now and then. I'm not, I'm not going to put it on, but I, mean, I like the screams. I like the, um, I, I, I used to like that one group, that group Death, because they slowed it down. And right. you had the same head nod that you would have to hip hop, right? You right. The same uh, head nod. So, yeah, I like that. I've but never, I couldn't name any of their songs. But when people put it on, I was like, ah, oh, that makes your head nod a certain way. I like it. Right. I wouldn't have thought you would have said yes to that. But um, you, you really are a lover of all music then, if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. So what was it's it? It's also just kind of funny, you know? Yeah. If somebody has a lyric, they're just going to start off and just say, duh. <laughs> yeah. That's how he started the song. <laughs> what was it like being the referee? I've always wanted to ask you this. What was it like being the referee of the very fight that essentially like launched the UFC, the the Forrest Griffin and Bonner fight? Because that was where the UFC really just blew up. It seems like to me. Wow. Well, yeah. You know what? It was. It was. It was something. Uh, it was amazing. It was uh, right then I knew something special was happening. I didn't have numbers, you know. I guess you know, thinking back on it and I, asking people about it, they uh, I think people were looking at the numbers as they were coming in. I don't know. I guess they can do that. I guess people were calling their friends while they were watching it. Like, hey, do you see what these guys are doing? And so more and more people kept turning to it. 
But I remember like uh, as they were going, it, that's the only time I've ever done that. I don't, I don't remember consciously deciding to do it. I remember even just kind of like doing like this with my hands, like to the crowd, like, hey, this is okay to cheer. You know, this is, you know, these, I think they got a great response in that arena too, you know? Yeah, it was uh, the, when when Dana White came out and gave both of them a contract. It was it was well deserved, and it it really catapulted to me. I was watching it before then, but it, it, I felt like I was one of the not few, but there was it de- definitely after that fight, everything just kind of blew up from there. It seems like the tough, the the Ultimate Fighter shows and stuff like right. that really just blew up the UFC. So whoever came up with that idea, if it was Dana, that was it was a huge thing. Yeah, it was what our sport needed. You know, we didn't have anything for people to care about the guys. You know, it was just one tough guy going at another tough guy. And so there's something they needed to find find out why they liked this guy or cared for this guy to win more than the other, I guess. And so uh, I think it was it was definitely what, what the sport needed. I Before, though, I, I didn't understand how people weren't watching it. I always thought it was the best thing on earth. And during the 90s, I don't remember, but remember there was this corny things on television and our sport wasn't on television. So right. Well, yeah, it was on pay-per-view. It was on Mm pay-per-view. Yeah. I was, I think I watched from UFC one. I had been watching. Is that the same with you? Yeah. Yeah. So from UFC one. So one of my friends was in UFC one. That's how I was into it. I used to kickbox a little bit. And one of the guys from our kickboxing exam, his name uh, was Zane Frazier. He was in UFC one. And I still didn't believe it was going to happen until I actually saw them come out on the TV because at the time it was hard to even just get kickboxing matches legalized. And uh, so they went and did that. I I didn't think that people were going to let them do it until I actually saw it happening. Remember that first match where the guy got uh, uh, the tooth getting kicked out right away, right? I think that was the first match. Uh, The Dutch guy, Gordo, against the, uh, the sumo, the Hawaiian sumo guy. I would definitely remember the Hawaiian sumo guy, but as far as remembering a tooth getting knocked out, I can't say I do. It seems like I do remember that. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, the guy, the guy, he shot, the guy pushed him down, kicked him, and his tooth went out into the audience. Nice. Ooh. Somebody got a souvenir. Man, mm-hmm. that's 3D. <laughs> 3D fighting, the 3D experience. <laughs> yeah, tooth and teeth and blood at the UFC. Yeah. One. I, I tell you, UFC the before uh, Dana White and them came in, there was the, the rules were just bizarre. Like you could, oh, there was man. a guy hitting somebody in in the crotch repeatedly, and it was it was. Well, and it lasted basically until I mean, it yeah. was done. I mean, it was. I remember mm-hmm. watching a uh, horse Gracie. And those guys, I mean, you know, I mean, there was basically, I mean, there was a few rules, no eye gouging. I think that was it. Mm-hmm. I think that was it. No, yeah. no biting. You couldn't bite. Oh, no oh, biting. You couldn't bite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. You could pull hair back then. They added that later, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah you seen people. Because Hoist won, Hoist won by, uh, by holding on to Kimo's uh, ponytail. Mm-hmm. I That's that. right. That's right. Yeah. So what is the craziest uh match that you've refereed like that you remember in your head is it like uh you know the one that is it a recent one like that just took place or is it because it because of the controversy or is it something in, that's in further in the past oh no that's that's no controversy that's just people talking that doesn't really I, that's nothing really that was that was kind of silly what happened but um i don't i don't really um 
I thought the the, the I thought the t- stoppage on that match was was pretty textbook. I didn't think it was anything out of the ordinary. And some people decide to make it a little weird. Hey, enjoy it, you know. Well, I'll Maybe, say this. Um, I'll say this. Mm-hmm. I I'm with you. I I, I did watch your. Uh, I seen those fights, and I did watch your ex- explanation on Instagram after it. After the con, it mm-hmm. is a controversy because they made it a controversy, not because it really is, right? Yeah. Uh, like you said. Right. But the one, the one with, uh, uh, I didn't know any of those fighters to be honest. Tim Sylvia. No, this is no. this was recent. So this was uh, Trinaldo and and Herbert. Was that the one? Where yeah, uh-huh. the guy got knocked down was that the one he got knocked down? Yes. Okay. He got knocked down. Yeah. So that one, even even me, and I'm a, I'm a Herb Dean fan. I'm not saying it was early stoppage, or, or it should have been a stop. But from the outside looking in, as a as a, a spectator, it looked like he was out. But you see something that we don't, right? So you know more about yeah. it than we do. But I definitely was not one. I, I when I listen to you say that. People shouldn't be yelling out, especially with no crowd. People shouldn't be yelling out, stop the fight, stop the fight, because they might think it's the referee. I was like, that's really true, man, especially without the yeah. crowd. Well, there's people who are supposed to, who might yell that, uh, the guy's corner or maybe the physician. Physicians say, well, so when you said out, you thought the guy was out. For me, okay, because I'm supposed to call TKOs and KOs. They'll come and say KO, KOs knocked out, right? Yeah. So when I see someone out, when I say not out, I mean, I think that means short for knockout. That means that person's asleep and not moving. Or if they are moving, which we don't want to see, maybe they're posturing, having some sort of a seizure. But when I say knocked out, I think that guy is asleep and not moving. And I don't think that's what that guy was. No, he definitely wasn't that. When I say out, I just mean, you know, because because you see you see the fight get stopped I, i'm not i'm not I'm not attacking you at all no no i know but i'm, I'm not, i don't think you are i just want to have the like i when we talk about it i like to have uh, specific descriptions cuz that's what i have to use to make my decisions so right, when we say right. out we just say so we can say the guy was hurt we just want to make because so we say the fighter was definitely hurt here's what here's what why when i say out is when it, as as a as just a fan a mere fan that really doesn't know much about uh, the inside workings of UFC. Um, never been in an, in an octagon or anything. But when I say out, it's like because only because you see the stoppage come when somebody when it looks like somebody is not defending, like like when they go back and they're just mm-hmm. like and they're doing this. So I say when he went back like this, to me it looked like where normally people would have stopped it is what I'm saying. Now, now I know that mm-hmm. the, the it would have been a controversy the other way had you stopped it and the guy said, well, he was still defending himself, right? Because he he clearly right. – apparently what is what you saw, right? You saw that he was still ready to right. go. Well, what I, what I see is, okay, so that's right where I want to get the, the our, uh, our little terms on the same page. So when we say out, that means that someone's asleep. So the guy wasn't asleep, but right. he was hurt. And we had our first clue. We knew that because he fell down and uh, he fell a delayed reaction. So it wasn't even the force of the punch knocking him down. He was definitely hurt because he got hit and then it was a delayed reaction. He falls. So we know he's hurt. But that's one of the things that happens when people are punching and kicking each other in the face. They get hurt. Uh, so now what I have to decide, is he able to protect himself? So when, you know, I have I have boxes that I'm ticking off. In a, in a very short time, you know, micro, you know, fractions of a second, I'm ticking off the box. Uh, is he awake? Is he, does he know where his opponent is? 
Uh, does he does he care where his opponent is? That's good because sometimes you see a guy he's just staring in his face and he's not even looking for his opponent, so he doesn't. He might not even know he's in a fight at that point. So we we want to know are they at least looking for his opponent? Uh, this guy was better than that. He actually found his opponent. He looked over. He's looking at the guy, and then he puts his arms in between him and his guy. That's that's good thing to do. Then he even addresses the position. I think he puts his leg up and uh, head off the mat. And when the guy came down to control him, he didn't step into the mount because the leg was there. He even had to go into somewhat of a somewhat of a guard position. I'm not sure if it was a half guard or what, but it was. He didn't go straight on top of him, which is the preferred position, because he had to deal with the leg. So there was some defense there, and I'm, I, I need to see how able he is to defend himself. But from making those actions, at least we're going to give the guy something to try. What also made it weird is the is the other fighter hesitated because he didn't want to jump on the guy. He's a nice guy. Yeah. But my job is I need to uh, to see if someone can defend themselves. So I need to also part of that. I need to measure what he's doing and I also need to measure the threat. You know, so. Right. Uh, yeah. So the, the, there wasn't much threat there until the guy came after him. So that's that's what we do. I understand completely. When you explain it, it makes perfect sense. To me, and then when you see, because after I watched your explanation on Instagram, I went back and watched it, and I go, I see everything that he mentioned right happening right there, like the guy tracking his opponent. He saw him coming. He did everything. Everything that you said, he did that. So, and that makes perfect. That's why you're the ref, and the fans aren't the ref, because there's been stoppages that you've been involved with where they said you sh you shouldn't have stopped it. I think I think you I think you refereed uh, Askren and Lawler, didn't you? Or was that not you? I did, yeah, yeah, I did. I refereed Aspen and Law. Yeah, so then you then you stopped that one, right? On like as you should have, and then everybody mm -hmm. says, "Well, he shouldn't have stopped it," you know. And I thought, yeah, he, he, no matter what you do, it's like even the best ref there is is gonna they're gonna find a controversy to to drum up. Well, even with that, I mean the you know the uh, Tim Sylvia and the Frank Murr fight the thing at the you know I mean where you literally saw his arm break. Mm -hmm. You know, that was crazy. I mean, and, and everybody was kind of and then later on, of course, they found out that his arm was broken. So, it, yeah, I had a good seat. That's one of the things I'm pretty close to things so I can see what's happening and things that other people aren't able to see. And I, I just, you know, I try to have reasons for the things I do. And and with the aspirin Lawler, I think if I see somebody in that type of a choke and their arm goes limp, it's time for me to stop it. That's a little bit more of a dangerous choke than other chokes. You know, a rear naked choke, everything gets easy. When I see, when I'm in a match, let's say someone's getting punched and they're in trouble, that's hard. When I see a rear naked choke, ah, oh, it's going to be easy. You know, I can take time to make sure the guy's all the way out. A bulldog choke's a little bit different. So that's a little bit more of a dangerous choke. And as soon as I see a body going limp, I see somebody doing something that doesn't make any sense, like a hand that was up, then all of a sudden it just hangs and goes limp in the middle of a choke. I have to say that person's out. Now, the thing about it is we can't tell the future. We don't know how long someone's going to be out for. But uh, with somebody with that type of pressure on their neck, bending their spine backwards, we want to take care of that guy. I'll tell you, like that call, I believe, the Frank Mir fight, I believe that call was probably what made you a household name. You believe that? I believe that. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. I think that, that call, nobody pays attention until – you know, if you get it right, no one pays attention. 
And then if you get it wrong, everyone pays attention. Yeah. And then right there on TV, everyone's paying attention. They're doing their thing to do. They're, they're doing what we love to do so much in this society. You got it wrong. And then Joe Rogan, man, he, he found on he found where the arm broke. And then all of a sudden I was right. And so right. I think that kind of made it stand out for people. And I think without that, I in my mind, I had, um, I had accepted that it was a good run. And I probably wouldn't be back and that maybe some kid later on would put it on the Internet. Hey, by the way, his arm was broken, but no one would care by that point because uh, they had uh, got their chance to point fingers and, you know, stuff like that. Right. I always say they, you know, they always print the what they're really trying to say on the on the first page. But when they have to retract it, it's on the eighth page. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. That's definitely it's, true. It's a rough thing. Yeah, it's a rough thing with the analysts sometimes because it's such a hard job. They have to talk and make something sensational that people are going to care about for eight hours. I mean, I don't know if it's eight hours straight, but with the prelims and everything, they're going nonstop and yeah. trying not to say the same thing twice. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that you don't want to play the same lick twice or over and over again they're trying to vary it make it make things a little different right right and yeah. uh, and and make it interesting for people and i mean we're the low-hanging fruit it's just right there it's so easy you know i saw one of the matches there there was a um there's an elbow and the guy said well he got hurt by an illegal elbow and then the replay goes you can hear the uh, the time go they didn't say oh all right the elbow was was uh it wasn't late they go oh it was an illegal elbow it was a late elbow then it was an illegal elbow then they saw, oh, no, that was right on the zone. But nobody says anything. And they go, oh, man, there's a lot of redness. But the 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 thing to make people care, you know, if to put a little extra season, a little extra sensation on there, some sizzles to go, ah, oh, it was a late elbow. Whoa, wait a minute, you know. So it's we're the low-hanging fruit. And if you want somebody to care about what you're saying, it's pretty easy to uh, to reach out and go after us. But um, right, right. I know what my job is and I know what my objective is and I know what I, I want to do. It's not, it doesn't always it's nice that people like me and that, you know, you guys like me enough to have me on your show. That's great. It's amazing. You know what I mean? I'm going to enjoy it. Sometimes people buy me beer, but that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to uh, to, to call these matches in a, in a systematic way and, and to do make decisions where uh, I can sleep well and know that I've done the right thing. Well, you and do. I'm a, here to serve these athletes. Yeah, definitely. And and you actually, I mean, you do some homework too, right? I mean, uh, uh, I was reading where you kind of before fights, you uh, kind of assess the assess the fighters before the fight, knowing their physical conditions and and. Um, Not really. You I go back and I talk to them before the match. Okay. I go back and I talk to the fighters. And uh, because really, they don't really, fighters play that close to the chest. They don't really give out uh, any physical, uh, uh, what's going on with them physically. Right. Every now and then I've had guys, back in the day, if some guy had some special jujitsu elbow that could twist all the way back, he'd show me and go, oh, if you see me in this position, see, I can do this. Oh, okay, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time, yeah, most of the time I just try to be as consistent as the octagon, right? Right. Which is impossible, but that's my goal. Yeah. The octagon doesn't have to research the athletes that are fighting in it, and neither should I. I should know the rules, and I should try to enforce them as consistently right. as possible. Yeah. What is, what is the deal with matches that you ref and shin bones being broken? <laughs> Oh shit! That's true, huh? Okay, well, let me see. Oh, uh, Silva. Well, there was, yeah. Okay, no, Silva. That was uh, and then Crocop. Oh, that's right. That's what Crow I want to ask you yeah, about Crocop. Huh? I've seen that clip 
I can't tell you how many times I've seen that because you know that that's in the list of the craziest knockouts. That's like up there, like top three probably. But I always wanted to ask right. you because you stopped the fight almost immediately when his when his whole leg just snapped. Mm. You stopped the fight, but I always wondered did he stop it because he had eagle eye vision uh, with and he saw that that leg snap, or did you stop it because he was out? cold i saw both he was out and his leg snapped when he went down you know it's, it's really strange because that was as uh someone who competed in martial arts i was i don't know why people some people probably have no fears and i think at different ages when i was younger and competed i, I was always just thinking about what i'm going to do to them i never thought about anything could happen to me and then when i started to think about things happen to me once i was probably like 25 26 you know starting to realize that i wasn't you know special uh that um that was probably high on my list to get kicked in the head and not have control of my limbs and fall and have my limbs break underneath me. Mm. So it happened right there. That was like, oh, that's the one thing you – I would not want to have that happen. You know and, what I mean? And, and you, yeah. you took the leg and straightened it out in both occasions, I believe. I believe because you – didn't you straighten both the legs out? Well, no, I, I, with his leg, I did do that, which probably I shouldn't have. You know, I probably should have waited for the doctor to come in there. But um, I just, it just, it was, it was just hard for me to look at it that way. And if I knew if I could take some pressure off of it, maybe it would readjust itself. Mm, so right. I didn't straighten it out. I relieved the pressure and it kind of went back to where it was. With Anderson's, I did not touch that at all. <laughs> I, I, I would look at the video again, make sure. I don't think I wanted to touch that. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to just make sure that, uh, that, that he calmed down. And I just, you know, just to know that, okay, look. Something rough, something, something very scary just happened. And don't worry, there's a physician here. Everyone, any, everyone who could possibly be here to take care of you is here. They have it happen at the UFC. Not only do they have the commission doctors, the UFC have other physicians there, specialists in so many areas they have. And so just wanted to let him relax and look, don't worry, they're going to take care of you. Relax. What, what other shin bones have you seen? get shattered like that uh, i you know that was the only one that i saw uh live where i was in the cage i've seen it happen before to other people well two uh, of them I right i saw it you, happen with Corey. yeah yeah two of them you weren't uh, you, i you saw were, it happen with Corey. weren't you 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 did because you you were there with anderson civil when he snapped his right mm -hmm. and then crow cop so there's two for sure right Right, right. But I think Crow Cop was more of an ankle. It wasn't the shin bone. Uh, who knows? No, that was, so. that was a shin bone. With, yeah, it snaps. What amazed me with Crow Cop is, he's, I remember him because when he woke up, I think, you know, the, the leg was, was um, the pressure was off, so the leg readjusted before he woke back up. And then when he was sitting on the stool, I remember he goes to stand up and he looks down at his leg like a little strange look like, hmm, what's that? And then it looked like he just made his mind up and just walked out without a limp. And I was Are like, you kidding me? Wow. So it, it wasn't his yeah. shin bone. I don't think so. I think it was the, but it was there was an injury there, and he. Uh, huh. But I remember I was like, I mean, because that was, I mean, every, I, I looked up to that guy, you know. I looked up and I was like, man, Crow Cop, man, look at that dude. He he just told his leg, you will, you will perform, and just walked out, no limp or anything. Didn't even yeah. care. Man. Walked out on. Well, a I, maybe later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just walk right on out, like I'm done. Right. I, I'd be snot crying. <laughs> yeah. I'd just be like, yeah, crying. yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, Silva mm -hmm. was. Anderson Silva was. Uh, like yeah, that, that was he, a tough situation. Man. Yeah. Silva, he probably didn't had, didn't see this, but Silva, Anderson Silva kicks. Uh, I forgot who he was fighting. Who was he fighting? 
Weidman. Weidman, Weidman. Chris Weidman. And he kicks his uh, – he kicks it, it. It's called a – did a low leg kick, and then right. he, mm-hmm. Chris Weidman checks it, which is where you put your shin bone. Isn't it where you put your shin bone to block yeah, the exactly. leg low kick? Yeah. So right, then right. he put mm-hmm. his shin bone up, and when he kicked it, when Anderson kicked it, it snapped it smooth Yeah, I think I've seen that. I, th- I think I have seen that. I mean snapped yeah. it smooth and yeah. half, man. It was yeah. so oh, disgusting. Man. But uh, yes, yeah, so that's the type. You don't want to see that type of injury, you know. Mm, you know, yeah. that's what I mean. It's a rough sport, you know. And uh, but at the same time, that's that's not what you want to see. Mm. Listen, in the middle of our show, we we always like to do a, a thing called "What Not to Eat" to break up the monotony and get your opinion on some crazy, uh, gross food that uh, people eat around the world. You up for that? Okay, I am up for that. All right, here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> well, we're going to send you something to eat as well, so just <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. be ready. I mean, I try I, I try not to offend people, you know. I travel a lot, so I try to, if somebody serves it up to me, but there's some things I'm not ready for yet. I know you're, that, but I, I have eaten some of the stuff. You're not ready for these things. Watch watch what I tell you. <laughs> here we go. Okay. Okay. You might have eaten a few things in your lifetime. I know Chris and Marty sure have. But these are things they would never eat. This is What Not to Eat. My What Not to Eat for this episode is a cheese called Kasu Marzu. You ever heard of that, Herb? No, no, no. I never heard of Kasu Marzu. Let me tell you what that is. It's a cheese that's so disgusting, it's illegal. It's actually very dangerous to eat it. Uh, the reason is because maggots are literally ingested inside of it so that uh, it will make it super soft and liquidy to eat. People, mm. people lucky enough to get to eat this cheese have to hold their, their, um, their hand over the cheese while they eat it because the maggots can jump like six inches, and they'll jump in their eyes while they're eating it. The craziest part is that if you don't make sure you kill, if you don't make sure you kill the maggots while you're chewing it, then they can uh, dig through your stomach lining and uh, eat up all your organs. Yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't eat that. I wouldn't you sure? Eat that. Who eats that? Uh, it's, who, it, who eats that? It's illegal everywhere except for Italy. Except for Italy. Mm. So we're going to get some. You have and- to be a pro. Do, do, they, do they let the kids eat it? I'm I wondering, I mean, you have to be 21 to drink alcohol here. and I mean, you might have to be a certain age to eat it, do you think? I don't know. I Man. think they give it to their babies growing up. I think that's how they... <laughs> they can just do it. They're just tough. They put yeah. it on pizza. That's how they, they put it on that's pizza. That's how they make sure everybody's strong, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah you just weed out the weak. I think know? that is the, that's the initiation into the Italian mafia is what I think. Oh, my God. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Just, just grab a glob of it. Just, mm. Oh, man. It's like, uh, mm. that looks so great. Look at that cheese. Is, or is Herb able to see that cheese? And the cheese? maggots jump. Yeah, yeah, I can see that cheese. Yes, uh-huh. They I'd jump. like to see it live with the jumping maggots, yeah. Oh, that'd be great to watch somebody get a maggot jump in their eye or something. Yeah, right in the eye. Right in the eyeball. Man, but what a story these are you would have. Maggots. They, yeah. Ugh. What a story you'd they have. Can eat Man, what do you wear, why, why do you wear an eye patch? Man, I was eating this cheese, <laughs> and this maggot chewed my eyeball up. <laughs> Yeah, jumped out of the cheese. enough to dodge them. <laughs> yeah. Well, Herb, you would be because you, you're a professional fighter, so you'd be I'm out of the way. Quick enough to dodge them, usually. Me, I was, I was a little slow. I had a hangover. <laughs> you would have to have a uh, be drunk to eat that cheese. Man, you know? Chris, what's yours? 
Man, I got a thing called Sucalu Sardu. Mm. It is a Sardinian cheese. It's going to stay with the cheese program. Mm. It's made in a unique way that only a handful of companies are allowed to produce. It's made by taking the stomach of a baby goat. Okay. Man, that's that's already got me, you know. (laughs) Stomach of a baby goat, which is then tied at one end with a rope and left to mature with all its contents <laughs> of mother's milk, which is raw goat's milk, mm. the cheese is then aged for at least two to four months and then eaten with sliced bread, mm. including the stomach, or fried in lard. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Wonder, wonder how that tastes on a cheeseburger. Oh, man. Look at oh, look at, uh-huh. look, think about that on a biscuit. You know what it looks like? It looks I, like, I like that word allowed to mature. <laughs> That's a good word. Allowed to mature. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that looks like to me? It looks like a mummified testicle. Is what it looks like. I'm just Man. saying. Mm. Have you ever seen a mummified mm. testicle? I haven't. <laughs> since since my uncle Johnny had that accident, I've not had. I've not seen anything like that. I haven't either. All right. Well, that was the what not to eat, Herb. What, what do you think? Are we going to try some of this cheese? When we uh, meet up someday down the road, maybe? I think I'm going to take a pass on this. <laughs> That's a hard pass. pass. I'm glad you did because <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to look like a chump. <laughs> I, you know, I, um, I like to think of myself a guy, you know, but I do the easy stuff, you know, the horse meat and the, and the milk and, you know, and the camel milk, but that's easy stuff. This is. That's rough. Ooh, this man. ain't anything you want a part of, Herb. <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. want none of mm-hmm. this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tap out. <laughs> <laughs> are you still uh, are you still training in MMA like today do you still train every like weekly daily what when, not because of yeah because one because of COVID we have COVID but I haven't been on the mat as much lately I was traveling a lot so the last time I rolled was I was rolling in March so the month of March before COVID hit and then the gym shut down and so then I haven't gotten into a roll but um, I think I have a, one of my friends and also, I take the COVID pretty serious because it's my um, my income. I get tested all the time, so I can't I can't have a dirty test, or else they won't let me on the plane to go ref the fights. Oh so, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's when I started taking it a little bit more seriously. Because before, I'm I'm never the guy who really, yeah, who's really that that cautious about stuff like that. But with this, the way this is, I am. So I haven't been rolling with anyone. I might have one friend who I might who might. I might have come over to the house. I have some mats and we can roll, but I haven't been doing, all I've been doing is just a little bit of calisthenic stuff like that. Right. right. Well, how was it? I didn't ask you, how was it with fight Island? Was it amazing or scary? Fight Island was, um, fight Island was amazing. Fight Island was great. Um, I, uh, we got there. We, uh, first, okay. So first I was a little irritated about all the testing we did. So we, I got to the hotel in Vegas. Immediately, they put us into a test. So usually, I'm used to maybe if I can get there and maybe go and buy some things I want to buy or maybe have a, 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 a one last dinner or something before I'm locked in my room quarantine. But this time, they put me in quarantine and made me test immediately. We uh, The next day, got on the plane, went to Abu Dhabi, landed in Abu Dhabi. They, we come out of the airport. We're in a van that has a police escort. 
and uh, the police escort us into the green zone. As soon as we go into the green zone there, once we get to the hotel, there's uh, guys with the whole bunny suit on and, and you know, steams and misters and sprays wow. and stuff. Wow. They spray our body. They spray all of our luggage and everything. Everyone's all bunny suited up. Hazmat we, uh, suits. Go in, mm. Yeah, hazmat suit. That's, that's the better name for it. Uh, and then um, we go into our room. And uh, I believe we test, yeah, we test right immediately as we get there, then in the room. The test comes back the next day, clear. No, you're not out of your room. You test again and go back to your room. And then you know the test is there again, and I think I've cleared, but they didn't let me out of my room, and they made me wait till the following day. And when I finally got to come out of my room, I tested again. So I was there for like 56 hours in the room. And then tested again. Then I was able to move around the green zone. And I was annoyed at first, but once it was all done, I thought it was amazing. I was in a place that I could literally say, I believe, is COVID-free. I think it was one of the safest places ever. I mean, there's people, and there are people around the president getting sick? Well, nobody's getting sick there. Everybody, everybody who worked on the island had been, had been uh, quarantined for 14 days before, uh, before they got to uh, be there with us. And so it was great. Um, we refereed, refereed fights, and then uh, they fed us really well. The, the accommodations were great. There's a beach uh, with date palms. I picked some dates and brought them back. It was good. What about, like, so every time you're getting tested, they're sticking the thing up in your brain like that, like way up there? No, no, they went through the uh, throat throat this time, so you can go mouth. The first time they, they uh, invaded my nostrils, uh, yeah, bothered man. my boogers a little bit. I didn't <laughs> like that one. But, <laughs> but uh, the other ones, they just go in the throat. But they were serious about it. The first one, the different people take it more seriously than others. I think some took it a little too serious. The lady was in my throat, just back there like this. God, wow. But, um, like fighting that little boxing <laughs> punching speed bag back yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, Man. yeah. Man, like like she was Fenton Zorro. She was I hearing. I avoided her. She was hearing the Rocky theme song back there, like Yeah, she was like, I'm ready for it. The next time I came down, she's like, I'm, I was like, Mm-mm. I'll wait till that guy's. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just would rather not referee again. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I gotta. So the, the yeah. do you do you actually like the trash talk in the MMA for the promos, or are you one that that likes it to be everybody's happy with each other? It's cordial. We're just fighters, and yada yada yada. Or do you like the the trash talk? You know that kind of Muhammad I like Ali. It. I like it when they're yeah. I like it. I like them to be them. So I think different people make the world go round. So if you want to talk trash, and especially if it's good and you're comical, I think it's great. You know, so if you, you like don't, if that's not you. No, yeah, I don't think if you're not good at it, if you're not, uh, if it's not you, yeah, be you. I think it's, I think it's awesome. It's a chance where people can be their personality and do what they're there to do. And uh, I don't, I'm not one of those people who thinks everyone should act the way I act. You know. Well, and the so, reason um, I asked that was because you know Khabib. Um, who I am rooting for to lose, I, not because I don't like him, but it's because I always root for the under uh, for the undefeated to lose because I feel like everybody should be humbled at least once. So I am rooting for him to lose. Do you think he'll lose against Justin Gaethje if he ever fights? I him? don't make predictions. I don't make predictions. You it's don't part do of my referee oath. No, uh-huh. I, I might referee the you. fight. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. I don't, yeah, I don't want. I don't want people, yeah, I don't. I don't want people to think that no. I had a. 
had a, a preconceived notion about what was going to go on or anything like that. So you're a smart just, man, Herb. I just show up and let the best man win. Now, I even think it in my mind. I try to do, I do meditation to, to try to have a clear mind that way. Who's your favorite fighter of all time to watch? Oh, of all time to watch. Well, I mean, besides Hoist Gracie, I mean, that the beginning, the guy who set it off. Um, who else is good? I, you know, I don't have a favorite. There's so many. And that's maybe I, I don't really have favorites, you know. Hmm. Who's your favorite nephew? My favorite nephew? I don't have one mm-hmm. nephew. Oh, oh I, okay. I have one of those. Yeah. Nick. My no favorite sin, nephew's no Nick. I only have one. Yeah. <laughs> His is Nick. Well, I, I only work. have one. That so. didn't work. I was, was going to try to put you on the spot. Make you pick out your, who's your favorite auntie? Who's your favorite auntie? Or I was trying to put you on the spot. You know? Yeah, did it Make wrong. you say something to get yeah. you in trouble when you get home. You know, he went the wrong yeah. route with me. I did that. Yeah, I did that once. I told one of my aunties she was my favorite, and she told all my other aunties. It wore me out for a year. Oh no! I, yeah. I always say you're yeah. one of my favorite aunts. That's what I say. Or you're one of my okay. favorite uncles, you know. But uh-huh. you are definitely my favorite referee. I'm not one of you. Definitely are. You're really the only referee I've ever really, uh, like, actually cared enough to look into. You know what I mean? That's what's crazy about. Oh, okay. Thank yeah. You. Like any other referee, it didn't really mean much to me in the UFC. They were just a body. But like I said, after that, after that one call, that's they actually I think it's called the greatest call of all time. The the one he brought up. With uh, with uh, Tim Silva, I think you just like you just became this celebrity that wasn't just a referee. And now you're actually a celebrity. You're a, you're a personality. And and the, the the beautiful thing about it is that you're not a cocky person. You know your job well, and yeah. you you will you will defend whatever decisions you make. That being said, are there any bad calls that you remember in your career that that you agree were bad calls? Yeah, I can think of some if I have to think about him for a minute. Um, I remember I stood up Jimmy Ambrose once a long time ago uh, because I thought I knew something about chokes and I thought his angle wasn't on and he was on for long enough. And he's huge. Whatever I think I know doesn't make any sense when somebody's that big. And he uh, he the next fight he refer I was refereeing. He got a guy in that same position, head and arm, and he choked him out and put him to sleep with it while I was refereeing. Mm. And the, the fight where I stood him up, he won it anyway. So, you know, I was I, I mentioned it to him. He go, well, you did win. So I didn't mess you up that bad. But you know what? He broke his hand. He, he uh, knocked the guy out and he broke his hand. He showed me his hand. So I, I did cost him a, a hand, you know. Um, so I, I looked I, I thought about that one. I definitely that was a definite bad stand up. So that one lived with you for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. We, I had uh, and, I, um, I had Mark Hunt on. Uh, about five episodes ago. And uh, did you mm-hmm. ever referee any of Mark Hunt's fights? I did referee some of his fights. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, the, he's the walk-off king, you know. Like, the, the, can, yes, he is. He would, he would hit people. And I, I asked him on the show, mm-hmm. I said, how, do you know, how did you know hitting someone that you could just walk away and they were not going to get up, that the ref was going to just – like, did that ever happen with you ref, refereeing his fight? I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, it happened. So I did. It did happen. Yeah. Is that frowned on by the referee, or is that okay? Like, as if I think that you're going to do whatever they want to do. The bottom line is, I would make a decision to make. If I think that the guy is uh, is is focused and ready to defend himself, and there's no threat, I'm going to allow him to recover. 
So one time when he did walk off, I was uh, uh, he walked off uh, with a with a, a knockdown, um, and I was I was pretty sure I was going to stop it if he had even looked like he was going to hit the guy again. But he walked away, and so it gave me some extra time. I locked the guy. Then he came back, and I wasn't going to let him hit him again because mm. I was pretty sure by then that the guy's jaw was broken because when uh, he was moving back, I saw his. I think he was holding his mouth a certain way. He seemed concerned with his, you know, that area. So I was, yeah. Yeah, so he walked away, and then he came back and threatened. And I was like, okay, no, you don't have to do it. <laughs> okay, l- let me ask you a question. If you, could, if you could talk to all the MMA fighters and ask them to stop doing something, what would it be? Is there something that... Wow. That's, that some of them do, That's, like, uh, consistently, that you're like, God, I wish, I wish they would stop doing that. Mm. You know, there's nothing that's really that, that stands out that bad. I mean, the, the, the tough thing for us is, is uh, catching the eye pokes. I mean, that's a tough thing with our right. sport because we have those right. open fingers. And uh, we're working on trying to get the guys to – close their fists more or lift their fingers a little bit more, but it is difficult to do it, you know? So uh, that kind of starts to happen. And as I, as the, this starts to turn into this. And when you see that, you're like, okay, finger. And, and you know, they're not intending to do it, but it starts more and more. So actually we've actually made that a a foul. It's actually against the rule to have fingers straight pointing towards the eye. Oh, really? Okay. The eye or not. So I can, uh, if I can warn a guy, it's something that I would warn a guy a few times, but if he doesn't, if he continues to point fingers at eyes, I can actually take a point uh, whether it hits the eye or not, just for the, you know, because it's dangerous. They all do that. Like, that's crazy because they all, every, every fighter I see, especially Connor, like he's out here all the time doing this, like, you know, touching. I mean, when, do, when does it become mm-hmm. a warning? You know what I mean? Because he's doing this, like touching their hands and getting his distance, well, and then he comes in. Well, I think that's what you're saying. You you see the purpose of it, and they're touching hands, and you have to do it. I mean, people parry, and it's if you, it's it's advisable to do it. You know what I mean? So if you're not doing it, you know, uh, yeah. So it's part of fighting. But when when someone is has the threat there, and when they're getting an unfair advantage from the threat of an illegal technique. So let's say a guy is coming in. Uh, to a press an advantage, and the guy flings his fingers out. And even if he doesn't get poked, now the guy backs off and gets that guy a little extra space. You know, when it starts to affect the fight, we definitely got to start stepping in. I see. Right on. Well, listen, Herb, we don't want to take up all day of uh, well, we could. Mm-hmm. I could talk to you forever. I mean, I know you got nine houses to take care of, and I don't <laughs> want you to. Uh, I don't want to keep you from it. You know what I mean? Because really? he's. Well, man, he, I'm. I'm He's a rich man, Chris, but he's not rich enough to hire somebody to take care of his houses, okay? He ain't going to do that. He's, he's, he's a rich man, but he's frugal, and I like that, Herb. That's, that's honorable. I, I like that no, a lot. I'm, I, I'm, I'm so happy to, that, uh, that you actually called me up to be on your show, man. I think, uh, it's, I think it's the first time I've been on a show with somebody who wasn't uh, strictly an MMA, and uh, I saw your how I became aware of you. I saw your... Uh, I think it was a promo that Cowboy did. Did you sing on something for Cowboy? I actually, I did. I did. Uh, Cowboy used my original song "Bleed" in his promo mm-hmm. f- before the Connor fight, mm-hmm. but also way before that, you know, Derek Lewis and I are good friends. 
You know Derek Lewis. Okay. The Beast. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the Beast. I, I was uh-huh. actually at the I was actually at the championship fight when he fought DC. I was on the front row of that fight, and you you didn't you didn't referee that fight, did you? That wasn't you there, was it? I'm trying to remember. I don't think so. I'm trying to remember. Okay. Maybe it was. It was DC and and, and the been. Beast. Maybe it was. I, I, I my brain is messed up, but I was I was so shocked I was there. And then to top it off, he walked. D, uh, Derek walked out to my song "Haunted" at Madison Square Garden, and I was I was just wow amazed. I was like, man, he, that's. I was telling everybody, hey, that's my song. He's walking out to. Uh-huh. That's that's me. You know what I mean? And they were like, really? Yeah, right. I was like, no, that's 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 my song. And then and then Derek come up and gave me a hug. So then they believed it. You know what I mean? Right. And mm-hmm. I was, yeah, man, it was super cool. So I, I, I am actually connected with a lot of uh, UFC fighters. Not that I'm friends, not that we, I'm only really friends with Derek. We don't see each other all the time, but I'm only really friends with him. But I'm connected with several like uh, Wonder Boy, uh, Bryce Mitchell, mm-hmm. uh, who I think is going to be a legend in uh, in the in UFC soon. Um, and uh, he's from your area, right? He's well. I was born in Memphis, and he and I was raised mm-hmm. in Arkansas, and and Bryce is from Arkansas, but not the part mm-hmm. of Arkansas I lived at. He lived in, I believe, he lives in Searcy. So, but anyway, uh, we mm-hmm. we end the show with uh, an unbelievable fact. You ready for this? Okay. Here we go. You might think it's not true, but I assure you that it is. It's hard to believe it's an unbelievable fact. Herb, especially for somebody like you, this this just worked out so perfect. This unbelievable fact, because as well, the man that has nine houses and plenty of <laughs> plenty of people to take care of his stuff. Uh, the I'm un- a poor person. I am not a rich man. I'm very hardworking, humble. Blue, this color is white, but blue. Yeah, humble, hardworking individual. Herb, don't don't act like you wasn't flexing before the camera started rolling. Okay, you were shaking us around your house, showing us all your property. Okay, this right here, this might be a place where you end up moving someday. Uh, this is an unbelievable fact. I don't know how they know this, but it's supposed to be true. It rains diamonds on Jupiter. That's an unbelievable fact. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah. They'd say, look, his eyes are lighting up. Wow. He's like, well, it rains diamonds in my houses too. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> believe it or not. Wow. Rains diamonds in Jupiter. I don't even know how they know that. Who's been to Jupiter to catch some diamonds? To, yeah, to really see it happen. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I think a lot of this stuff is mm-hmm. they say it's a fact, and we go, "Huh? Okay, that's a fact." Okay. Yeah, they, and they just made that's it up. True. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna make <laughs> up a fact. That. I'm gonna make up a fact. Go ahead. Um, okay. On Mars, it rains chocolate, and it's a fact. I know it. Okay. Wow. That's so be amazing. spreading that around. All right. Tasty chocolate. Tasty. Yeah. yeah, it has to be tasty. Not dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. I don't like the dark chocolate. I like the milky chocolate and milk. little I like a little white chocolate too. Yeah. How are you on white mm-hmm. chocolate? Oh, I I like them both. About any kind of chocolate. Yeah, I'm I'm not picky. Marzipan. You like that? I like lint chocolate. Ooh. Ooh that's it's nice. fancy. <laughs> right it's on. fancy. Herb, listen, <laughs> thanks so much for agreeing to do this show and even with all the uh 
uh, technical difficulties we had at the beginning. We apologize about that, but it was fun, and it was a blast talking to you, and I consider you a brother. Now, next time I'm at a fight, I'm going to yell your name as loud as I can if we ever get to do that again. <laughs> if you're ever at a fight, too, if, you, if you're playing around the show, let me know, man. I'd love to come see you uh, see you uh, live, man, doing your thing. I have you know? to do that. You know, just you're so rich. Bring me in to do a show at one of your houses. <laughs> like – Fly him in. Yeah. Like, uh, we'll be there, man. <laughs> Just let me know. We'll bring the diamonds. We'll bring them. Yeah, yeah. Don't tell people. Somebody's actually going to believe that I'm rich. Well, uh, that's what that's what, the, that's what this show is going to be titled. Herb Dean is rich. So. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's so good to meet right, you, man. Thanks a lot. All right, brother. Love yeah, you to so death, brother. To you. Hey, thank you. God bless Love you. you, brother. See you around. All right. God bless. Ah, thank you all so much for listening to the Marty Ray Project Chats. And a big thank you to Rode for supplying the sound with Rodecaster Pro. Whether you like what you heard or hated what you heard, subscribe and rate us anyway. Let us have it.